0: All the games I used to play in my younger wilder days. The game of clubs and tees never crossed my mind. Just-
1: Welcome in to another episode of the Turn Fantasy Golf Pod. I am Joe Knisley. Um As you can tell, I'm not the uh, normal host. Uh, Andrew Putters is off this week. Uh, something we talked about, we, we kind of set some goals each year coming into the year and and one thing we talked about this year was uh, we want to get some fresh voices on here for you guys. Um, so we're going to try to do that throughout the year. And uh, who we have on this week, I'm very excited to, to introduce you guys to Eric Darbo uh, of Sweet Spot DFS. Uh, one of the sharpest analytical minds out there. So uh, hope you guys will check his stuff out. Eric, thanks for joining us, man. Really glad to have you. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you're doing.
0: Sure. Thanks for having me, Joe. Uh, I was uh, I was actually uh, pretty surprised, and and I really appreciate uh, the offer today. So thank you for having me on. A little bit about me. Okay, uh, started the YouTube game maybe two, well maybe three years ago. I think it's about three years ago. And I mean, I won't lie. I think most of us probably fell under this somehow. When you know us that are podcasting, the great Pat Mayo, you know the godfather of DFS, uh, I saw him doing it and absolutely loved how he was able to entertain and stuff like that. But I won't lie, I feel like I mean, I'm, I'm not going to step on any toes, but I, I also didn't like a lot of the things he did. So I wanted to create my own version, you know, and slowly trying to get that way. And of course, like, I just have an analytical mind. So the entertainment value was kind of lacking where I wanted more Stats and stuff like that. So I kind of started like a small model and then kind of grew it into what I call the bucket system. So if you're unfamiliar with that, it's just I analyze the top 10 of every single tournament and try to determine what are, you know, some of the good plays. It's kind of a trends analysis tool. But so far this year, and even going all the way back to the PJ championship, most of my buckets that I project. I have like a 93% success rate of projecting like the category of, of player that you want. Now it is kind of, you know, open in a way, but I just, I'm, in all honesty, Joe, I'm trying to crack a code and I know that can be foolish, but I feel like, you know, a little bit of this as trial and error that I'm doing, like you wouldn't really use this trends analysis on really any kind of, analytical anything in your business, but like for me, uh, it's been, it's been fun. Like to me, this is my fun. You know, some people are like, oh, who cares about being right? Well, my pursuit of being right is my, my way of having fun. So that's my little bit of being in the DFS world, um, personal life. I was in the golf industry for 14 years. I was trying to be a, uh, a golf pro for a while and it just doesn't pay a lot of money, so I stopped being in the golf industry, and and having to deal with customers day-to-day, golf industry might be one of the worst industries to have to tailor to, so love giving lessons, love playing, but just don't like the business aspect of it, so that's a little that's bit about me.
1: That's <laughs> awesome, man, that's awesome, it's a really, really cool collision of of kind of the the golf pro side of things and the analytical side of things. So it makes a ton of sense. Uh, Thanks for sharing that. really appreciate it. Um, I love, I love a lot of your, um, kind of a lot of your videos are just almost pure instructional stuff, uh, which, which I really like. Um, the, uh, does, does projected ownership matter is a really cool (laughs) video that I, that I checked out. You also do some things where you explained, uh, strokes gained. Which, which I really like, so definitely want to encourage everybody listening to, uh, to go check out Eric's YouTube channel, Sweet Spot DFS. There's some really awesome stuff over there. Um, we're going to look back a little bit before we look forward, look back at the farmers. Uh, Luke List took it down, uh, beat Will Zalatoris in a playoff, too. Two kind of similar players, definitely some parallels between those two. Um, both struggle putting, uh, both excellent from tee to green, uh, Will Zalatoris, man, gained gained over 12 strokes, tee to Green. We'll talk about him a little bit this week. He's in the field, but uh lost, I think, 1.3 strokes putting. Um, so just kind of a kind of a sick output. I was I was all in there. He was my one and done last week. Uh wrote him up in my core four article over at Roto Baller. So really loved Willie Z. Uh disappointed they didn't get the win. But we also we also like Luke List on this show. Talk about him a lot. Um Uh, i think anyone that deals with uh plays a lot of dfs is probably pretty familiar with luke list uh gonna gonna pop in a lot of statistical models um he's so good to the green but finally had a decent putting week and and got the first win of his career um what do you think about the farmers eric any takeaways Did you get a chance to watch much of it uh give give me your thoughts on it man
0: absolutely so this weekend was actually the first weekend I was able to celebrate Christmas with my family. So we left, uh, Saturday morning. So I just didn't see Saturday's round, but Wednesday through Friday, uh, it kind of played out the way I, I thought it would. I was pretty, in all honesty, like, I know a lot of people were talking about Luke list. Now Luke list didn't really pop in my model, uh, which is weird. Like I probably need to go back and look at it, but you know, maybe those, those Poa greens are kind of a, a good equalizer when it comes to some of the putting. Uh, I'm glad Lucas got his first victory. I mean, he's, he's, he was due, right? He's been due for a very long time. Uh, I was kind of concerned when he got vertigo. Do you remember him getting vertigo last year?
1: I don't remember that, actually. Um, I, knew there was a, I knew there was a down sockle for him last year. Um, wasn't aware of the vertigo, though, so that's, that's kind of interesting.
0: Yeah, I can't remember which alternate event it was, whether it was Puerto Rico or Corrales or something like that, but I think he had to withdraw because of Vertigo and Jason Day had had Vertigo uh, or some, some something similar to that. And that knocked Jason Day out for a while, like his Vertigo yeah. problem. Um, of course, he also has the bad back, but I was always concerned about Luke List. Now, all the people I know who have Vertigo have had it for a really long time he doesn't seem, I think he he's been able to manage it. Like since he's had vertigo, like he's just been a better golfer. So maybe the dizzy's made him, you know, be able to putt. Well, it's it's just, it is remarkable because I've kind of stayed away from him with that, with kind of knowing that, because that stuff can just come up at any point in time. So the fact that, you know, he's been playing some really good golf recently. And so, you know, you could forecast him, him winning and Willie Z not being, uh, uh, you know, we hadn't seen him in a while. I think we we saw him at was it the American Express? Was that the first one?
1: Yeah, we how saw him at the Amex. He played well there. Yeah. Um, not not very popular. Um, I think kind of reminded reminded folks how how good of a player he is at the Amex. So I think he his ownership ticked up a little bit last week. Um, I was there just because you know I fell from tee to green. Uh, he he was really going to pop at Tory. We'd seen him play well there before. I had seen List play there before, well before there too, actually. So you know, not a huge surprise. Maybe a surprise that List, you know, was able to hang in there and get the win. But I, I definitely don't think it was a surprise that he played well. Um, you know, going back to Willie Z, man, I'm going to ask you. I don't know, and I'm I'm not trying to put you on the spot at all, but you know, how what what is his win equity like? Looking forward, uh, we know we know how good he is T to green. Um, but but how often, man, are, are guys winning tournaments, losing strokes or break even uh, strokes in putting? Uh, what do you what do you think about about Zalatoris' chances to kind of start piling up some wins? We know we know he's an elite talent, uh, but that putter certainly is is going to be an issue. Proved to be one uh, this past week. So what what are your thoughts on Willie Z going forward?
0: I like Willie Z. So I'm going to do another strokes game pod sometime in the near future. Um, where I want to highlight some of the strokes gain stats that people just don't understand that well when it comes to like negatively judging people or even positively judging people. So the fact that Willie Z has bad putting stats mostly are because he's missing a lot of eight to 10 footers. I would imagine. I don't have the stats in front of me, but where it's 50% make percentage on tour around that eight foot mark, he's not making 50% of his putts. He's making like 40 and he's probably missing more five foot putts than most people are. So Mm -hmm. in a way you can negatively judge him saying, well, if you can't miss, if you can't make a five footer, you're never going to win a tournament, but then his ball striking, his iron play is so good that his proximity. So like, I always tell people if you see a, a large gain in positive approach, if the difference of his strokes gain putting is at least better than zero, that means he's got, you know, a good chance to win a tournament. So like if his, if he's positive, you know, 10 shots, strokes gained approach, he would have to be minus 10 strokes gained putting to like, you know, really fail. And that's not a, a, a perfect, you know, math problem or anything like that. And he's not going to hit everything to five feet all the time. But whereas you'd see like a Jordan Spieth knocking putts in from 28 feet, almost regularly, his putting stats are going to look really good. Now, does that make him a better putter than Will Zalatoris? By stats-wise, no, but we all know Jordan Spieth is a better putter than Willie Z. I mean, Willie Z's technique is really, I don't know, man. It's bad. Like, I could go I could go on and on and on about this, but his win equity, I absolutely love. Like, Willie Z okay. is going to get a victory short, like, very soon.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I think he's going to win. Um, kind of reminds me a little bit of a decky. Just, just to kind of throw a comp guy out there, just so good yeah. from T to Green, but you know that that putter is going to come and go. Um, but, but I think if you know we see him kind of break even putting, uh, he, he's going to win some tournaments for sure. I uh, bet so. you
0: he wins a tournament minus putting, and it's going to. It might be slightly. It might be like minus yeah. three. You know, point three eight might be my, minus one, but it's going to. It might be minus. Honestly,
1: yeah, we've we've seen it happen before. Um, right. So I mean, it's you know it is possible. Um, and, and then there's all always the, you know, the chance that he just has a really great putting week, um, uh, yep. you know, like we seen from list, uh, this week, like we seen from a at Sony. Um, you know, it's certainly possible. These, these great ball strikers can, can go out there and just have a good putting week. So a uh, really talented guy. We'll talk about him a little bit more here in a minute, but, uh, let's kind of turn our attention to, uh, what we got in front of us this week, Eric, the, uh, AT&T Pebble beach Pro um, beautiful golf course, uh, great setting. I don't know that everyone loves the format. We're kind of going back to uh, what we saw a couple weeks ago with the Amex uh, three-course rotation this week, 54-hole cut. Uh, two of the courses don't have shot tracker. Uh, very long rounds uh, with kind of these celebrity uh, playing partners out there. So it's you know it's it's not a tournament that's for everybody. Um, I, personally, I kind of wish we could just see these guys play Pebble Beach every year. Um and leave all this other stuff off, but we we know how things are on the PGA tour. So uh gonna play three courses this week. Pebble Beach Golf Links. Uh that one's a par 72 coming in 6,816 yards. Uh Spyglass Hill, also a par 72, 7,035 yards on the card this week, and then Monterey Peninsula, uh par 71, that one's coming in at 6958. Uh, this field will play one round each on all three of those with the final round being held at Pebble. Um, you got any thoughts on these golf courses, Eric? Uh, what are you looking for statistically? Uh, what are you thinking off the top of your head on uh, the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am?
0: Well, when it comes to the rotation, you know, I'm, I'm going to be there with a lot of people. You know, it it is one of those things that it stinks. We can't see anything in those other two golf courses we know one of them is supposed to be easier than all of them uh i for whatever reason can't think off the top of my head i think it's spyglass is the easier one
1: well monterey um, <clears throat> monterey gonna play, yeah yeah it's going to okay. play uh, quite a bit easier than the other two okay yeah spyglass um, uh spyglass can actually depending on the weather that's another thing uh we we kind of have to guess on is is the weather conditions, very important on these courses. Uh, it's coastal, uh, very exposed. So uh, Monterey is going to play the easiest. Spyglass, depending on kind of the day and the weather, can play tougher than Pebble uh, at times. But, but Monterey is going to be by, by far the easiest of the three this week.
0: OK. Yeah, and, and I kind of looked at a weather forecast Monday. Obviously, anything can change between now and Thursday. Um, but it's <laughs> calm it's like 61 degrees. So it's not warm, not for these guys. Um, and it's like five to 10 miles an hour. That's what's being forecasted. I think even Friday doesn't even have wind on there just says variable light wind. So it seems like it's going to be a still day, which would increase scoring conditions, but because it's kind of cold, I just, I don't know. I think we're probably gonna have a normal tournament, you know, minus 20 minus 19 somewhere in that vicinity. Um, for, for stats that I look into now, whenever I'm looking at stats, I really don't like, I, I I've heard a lot of things so far, like, you know, load up on your short hitters this week, because the courses are really short. Your yards per par are, are, are very small, but like, you know, club head speed is just the max potential a player can have. So they're also going to be, you know, clubbing down on a lot of their tee shots. They're still going to have more potential to do well. So I'm not, I'm not looking to just pick the short hitters. Everyone is, is more in play, but I think for me, I'm, I'm more of a proponent of kind of mixing and matching. So I like to do, you know, try to find someone with all positive stats all the way across, maybe one or two of them. Uh, and then maybe a couple that are positive off the T positive putting and negative around the green, the bucket system, how I do things. It's, it's just, it's a mix and match. So I will be playing someone with negative off the T stats and positive putting. And I'll also be playing someone with positive off the T and negative putting. So it's, it's, I, I won't lie, Joe, it's, it's, it can be complicating if I try to talk about it, but I'm not, I do not look at specific stats and try to, you know, peg certain players based off of, um, you know kind of the raw stats but i think course history is probably one of the big or tournament event history whatever you want to call it i mm-hmm. think that's probably the biggest thing to look at this year uh there's a fun trend that i'll bring up a little bit later that i would concur with um but i don't know if we're there yet
1: <laughs> okay well, we'll get there we'll get All there right. um okay. I, I do like the uh <clears throat> you touched on course history i do like that this week um i, I feel like sp- course history is more important some some weeks versus others and and pebble uh, i want a guy with some experience this is certainly a unique format um unique golf course i mean not everybody can handle you know playing with these amateurs for six seven eight hour rounds um so that's kind of a i feel like that's kind of a a point unto itself this week um so i'm gonna look for guys that have had success here um like what you said about the shorter hitters i don't know that i'm that I'm necessarily bumping them up this week, but I think it's just more so that we can consider them this week, uh, right. where whereas some weeks we can't. Um, so I'm definitely more willing to consider a short hitter this week versus uh, a, lot, a lot of the tracks. We, we do this show every week, and and there's maybe half dozen times a year where, where we say distance has very little relevance. That this I would certainly consider uh, this event to be one of those. Um, you know, I think you can play a shorter here this week without much thought. Um, but that said, man, we kind of touched on the course. Let's dive in the DraftKings slate.
0: Hey, one thing, can I add something really quick? Sure. Because it's going to go off of your course history where you want someone that has course history here. So I'll go over the trend that I was going to hold on. Okay. Um, I'm going to first talk about yours. So people who've never played this event have a pretty poor history of finishing inside the top ten and we have 70 golfers in that I call them buckets in that bucket this year on average we have about 33 so we have way more that that don't have any event history at this event with everything that I calculate and stuff like that with my projections it's one to two golfers I project to be inside the top ten you know like and and like I, I what I'll say is like my the success rate of the bucket system is like, it's over 90%. So I feel very confident in in what you just said. I want people who've played this event before. Now I'm not going to say nay to, you know, everybody who hasn't had, there's some really good rookies that we'll probably talk about, but yes, I totally agree with you that I want people with course history. Now the, the, the trend that's been going around that actually has a little bit of backing is like 10 of the last 13 winners has had a top 20 at this event the year (laughs) before. And I track that with the bucket system. I look at last year finishes. So I'm projecting four to six golfers in that bucket this year to finish inside the top 10. That's, that's insane. I've never had a projection that high there. You know what? I'm going to take that back, Joe. There is something wrong with my formulas. So we'll, we'll scrap that. I have no idea. I'm showing 126 golfers in that bucket. So we'll scrap that right now. That's not true. We have like 17 of them. I'll update it as we go. I think, uh, I think we,
1: we're, I think we're both in agreement that that course yeah. history is a pretty strong factor this week. So Some, something, yeah. we an angle we both locked to take this week about that. All right. Um, we, let's do, let's dive in the slate, man. Um, 10 right. K and up. We, we usually go 10 K and up only got, Got one golfer this week above eleven thousand. Uh, that's Patrick Cantlay at eleven two. Uh, Will Zalatoris, who we, sp- we spent a lot of time talking about at ten eight. We got Daniel Berger, the defending champ. Jordan Spieth, great course history. So, um, I think it's fair to ca- call this field a little bit thin, uh, Eric. We've got got a lot of kind of the elite players over in Saudi are just not playing this week. Um, so really a you know kind of a thin salary scale this week. Certainly top heavy. Uh, give me your thoughts up here at the top, man. Are are you going to be going up here? And if so, uh, who are you looking at?
0: Absolutely. Um, again, with the buckets, we look at salaries. So I'm projecting somewhere between one to three inside the top 10. That means I'm going to play one in every single one of my lineups. Um, I'm, a, I'm a unique lineup creator. So, like, I'll create 100 unique lineups. I don't, you know, just create one or, you know, single entry, anything like that. But I would just I would just recommend or suggest do play a 10K golfer. And my 10K that I'm probably gonna lean heavy on is gonna be Cantley. I just don't see how I get away from Cantley.
1: Yeah. Uh he, he's certainly the class of this field. He's the only player teeing it up this week that's ranked inside the OWGR top ten. Um, had a T three here last year, obviously. Played amazing down the stretch in twenty twenty one, won the FedEx Cup, and come out and played really well in, in his two starts this year. Had a fourth uh, over at the Century Tournament Champions, top ten at the Amex. Um, so there's there's a lot to like about Cantley. Um, I agree with you, man. It's it's shaping up as a stars and scrubs build type of week. Uh, we we saw that kind of approach be very popular and and very effective a couple of weeks ago at the Amex. Um, you know, and that that specific tournament we saw a lot of guys stacking Patrick Cantlay and genre on together. Yeah. Um so you know I think that's something you can look at this week. Um, you know, you maybe don't have to go with two 10K guys, but I think you might want to, you know, certainly look at either going, you know, three guys in the nine Ks or maybe going a Cantley and dipping down, you know, high nines or another 10K plus player. I think you can do that this week. It's on the table. Um, just because the mid range uh, is so weak, I, I, I like Cantley a lot. Um, so I'm with you there. Daniel Berger's the defending champion. He's just so consistent. Um, this tag tag's a little tough, but w- in this field, we you know we should have expected him to be up above 10k. So no huge surprise there. Uh, great course history. We talked about you know how we're factoring that in this week. He's played this event three times. He's got a T10, a T5, and a win. Um, so. Berger's course history is great, and he's a consistent player. Uh, Willie Z, uh, we spent a lot of time talking about. I don't know that this is the greatest fit for him. Um, he's made a couple cuts here and two starts, but you know nothing that kind of makes you say, hmm, i got to get Willie Z in my lineup this week. Um, I think that's more just a talent and a form thing if you want to fire with him uh, rather than course history. Kind of mutes a little bit of his advantage, which is his distance off the tee, I feel like. Um, and, and then Jordan Spieth, Um, just to kind of ran out the 10Ks. Uh, great course history here, former winner here, and, and we've seen him kind of always get his year kick started in this event. It seems like this is this is usually where he kind of breaks out. Um, usually we'll play one or two events before this one, but this seems to be a, kind of a kicking off point for him. had not played well this year to this point, um, but but we've seen him play well here even when his form is terrible. So you know, I think they're all viable this week. Um, and I, I think you can maybe even look at two, getting two of these guys in your lineups. Uh, let's move down to the nines, man. A lot of course history. A lot of guys we saw in action last week. Um, Jason Day played really well. Uh, Maverick McNeely, a lot of people will be talking about him this week. Justin Rose, another veteran kind of in that Jason Day mold, uh, played well last week at farmers and has played well here. Uh, we've got a couple guys that are having, uh, You know, strong seasons or had strong 2021s and Cameron Tringali and Seamus Powers. uh, Kevin Strillman, uh, course history beast here. Uh, And then Kevin Kisner, kind of one of those shorter hitters we touched on. Uh, What are you thinking in the 9Ks, Eric?
0: In all honesty, this is the hardest range to choose a golfer from. Um, A lot of them rate out really well. That trend I was telling you about, I've, I've updated my projections. It's like, you want two to four golfers that have a uh, last year, finished a 20 or better. And you have four of those golfers here. Kevin Streelman's one Cameron Tringali is another McNeely is another, and Jay day is another, you also have three in the 10 K range. And th- all of those things can happen. They can, you know, we can have a mix and match of top tens for me. It's my favorite that I lean to is Cameron Tringali. Um, but honestly, Joe, I love everybody except Fitzpatrick. <laughs> I, like I can, I'm not nothing against Fitzpatrick.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm kind of one of those that I need to see his game in order mm-hmm. to like, you know, feel comfortable in, in rostering him. So if you want to play the game theory angle, which I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't do that. Uh, Fitzpatrick is probably going to be a good player. Cause I don't know how owned he's going to be, you know, amongst everyone else, but you know, if I'm going to rate them out, Tringali's one McNeely's two days, three. Oh my God. I can't even do this. Cause I like power a lot. Yeah. So Dane power probably around that three. And then I'm going to go Rose after that. Unless I already said Rose and it's McNeely.
1: Yeah. Um, just to, I'm with you, man. I really like this range. Um, I think you can kind of camp out here this week. Um, uh, we, we talked about stars and scrub top build. I think you can go three guys from the nine K's and I mean you can, depend on who you go, you're looking at, uh, you know, low seven K, uh, right at seven K an average salary left for your three remaining spots. And, you know, I think it's, it's a viable line to take this week. Uh, w- with, when you, with what's in the, the rest of the salary scale as we work our way down, um, certainly like this nine K range, like going heavy on it this week. So I, I'm with you and, and Fitz is probably my least favorite as well there. Uh, so he's
0: going he's gonna to win this event, right? Yeah,
1: probably. Yeah, probably. Uh, shout out, Spencer, my boy Spencer Aguiar, Jason Day, made a deep run last week, brother. <laughs> T3 at the Farmers, and and his course history here is amazing. Um, He's, yeah. he's been a beast in this uh, event, so uh, I think they'll get a lot of pub. Maverick McNeely as well, J-Rose. Um, all these guys are going to be fairly popular, I feel, but you know it's with reason um, as they're good plays. Uh, let's work down in the 8Ks, man. Ryan Palmer, player played well last week, hadn't played great in this event. Um, and it, this is kind of where it starts getting a little bit thin, uh, Lanto, Christian Bazadenhout, Brian Harmon, Tom Hoagie, Mackenzie Hughes, Mito, uh, Denny McCarthy, Charlie Hoffman and Matt Jones. Who's sticking out to you here, man. Some, some solid players in here. Um, I don't know that we have the combination of form and course history that we, we saw in the nine K range, but, uh, give me your thoughts on the eights.
0: Sure. I mean, I have nothing against Palmer. I I think Palmer has kind of proven to be an extremely consistent golfer recently, whereas before he was very volatile. Um, So I think you're getting safe value with Ryan Palmer at 8,900. I don't know if that's a sexy enough play. Like I really like Tom Hoagie. I really like Mito Pereira at 8,300. He kind of glues a lot of the lineup builds that I'm doing. Um, I also like Charlie Hoffman rates out really well for me, but his withdrawals over the last two events, I, I don't know what to do with that. So, yeah. I mean, I'll I'll build lineups with Hoffman in it and just wait to see if he, you know, withdraws. But, yeah, I, I really don't extremely like the 8K range. And especially, you know, if you're going to... To me, I'm going to roster like a 10K and a 9K, and it's really difficult to put an 8K golfer mm-hmm. in there. Um, and if there is, like I said, the glue is Mito Pereira. So... I don't like Lonto at eighty eight hundred. I don't like Besidenhout at eighty seven hundred. Harmon rates out well for me. So, yeah, to me it's it's Mito probably above all, and then it's Hoagie. I want to see what's up with Hoffman, and then that's it, man. I mean, I don't think I'm gonna touch Palmer because he just kind of in a dead zone for pricing for me.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a it's a tough pricing zone. Um, I think the Bills kind of lend themselves to. Staying out of this range for the most part this week. Um, you mentioned Mito. I mean, I think there's a couple guys you might want to dip in here for. Um, but there's no real uh, appointment plays in here, uh, if you want to call them that. I don't think there's any guys in here that you feel like you have to play. Uh, Ron Palmer's a guy for me. Kind of falls similar to to Wills Alatoris, Kind of falls in that, in that category for me and that I don't know that his game's a great fit here. Uh, whereas they were both excellent plays and excellent fits last week. Um, they kind of both fall uh, out of being great fits this week for me. So uh, I think you can certainly play Ron Palmer, but uh, much referred to him last week. Um, and as you mentioned, man, none of these other guys really blow me away. I think Mito's a really talented young player. You can certainly look at him, but he's making his course debut. We talked about how that kind of works against guys a little bit, but... You know, if anyone can overcome it, it's him. Uh, a lot of talent there from Tita Green. Um, so, like Mito. Um, so, I think, I think it's pretty safe to say we're neither neither one of us crazy about the 8K range. Uh, let's, let's drop down to the 7s, man. Uh, always a ton of guys to get through in the 7K range, it feels like. And that's, that's again, the case this week. A uh, couple guys that stick out for me, Russell Knox. Um, he's always tough to rely on, but there's some good course history here. Uh, We've we seen a, a nice outing a few weeks ago with the Sony. So I think you can certainly look at Russell Knox. Um, and then we got kind of these vanilla guys, uh, these veterans, Matt Kucher and Andrew Putnam. Uh, Patrick Rogers is a West Coast guy. Brant Snedeker um, disappointed me last week. Uh, I was kind of a little higher on his chances at the farmer's. Uh, after a good showing at Sony and Amex, he disappointed. But this, this might be an, a neat little bounce-back spot for Brent Snedeker, who's a two-time winner of this event. Nick Taylor, former winner of this event, uh, to kind of stay on the course history angle. Um, and, and as you work your way down, it kind of really runs out, man, uh, maybe more so than we've seen in a while. But give me your thoughts on the 7Ks. Uh, what do you feel about this range as a whole? And, and are there any guys that are jumping out for you specifically?
0: Uh, so let me, let me say something about the 7k range Uh DraftKings over the last three weeks has added 10 more 7k golfers than it does on average. They usually yeah. have around 30 golfers in the 7k range. So I think they're trying something new. I'm really glad
1: have, you brought that up. Cause I've, I've been wondering if I'm like taking crazy pills or something <laughs> like the, with but, all these guys in the 7k range.
0: So I track salaries in the bucket system and like, You know what? I guess at this tournament we've had around 43. So maybe it's just this time of the year. I I I guess. But in all honesty, the last the last couple tournaments, we've had about 10 more because there's usually somewhere between 30 to 35 7k golfers. And then you have like somewhere between 70 and 96k golfers. Um, and it's like we have we have more than that. I, I guess. Yeah. So, anyways, I'm sorry. With the 7k range. I'm with you, man. It is so hard to throw a dart at any of these seven K golfers because I can make cases for every single one of them. And I can make cases against every single one of them. You've got a lot of young guys who are playing here for the first time, you know, like Grayson Sig, Taylor Moore, um, Aaron Rye, who played really well last week. Like those are really good golfers. Taylor Pendrith is a good golfer. Hayden Buckley is a good golfer. Like with the young, the young guns, I, I mean, I don't know. I, do you go like 10 9 and then four 7k golfers and just mix and match in here? Like that's kind of that's kind of what I, I'm kind of leaning towards if I'm being honest, because the six K range once we get there is kind of pitiful. Yeah. Um and like I said, you can make so many cases for these seven K golfers. So unfortunately, Joe, I don't have anything really helpful to add to the seven K range because
1: yeah, it's, a, it's a it's a tough range, man. Um, and it's, uh, really puts me to mind of the Amex a couple of weeks ago, uh, where you, where you feel like you're almost, you know, there, there's a, a handful of guys that you really lock like up at the top. Uh, you maybe want to try to find a way to lock those guys in. And then, uh, as you just said, mix and match, uh, throughout the seven K range, uh, because the, you know, if you do go like kind of ultra stars and scrubs, lock in two guys up top, that, that almost puts you right down in the sixes. Um, yeah. so, so, you know, what you were saying, maybe one high priced option, uh, mix and match in the sevens. I, you know, I think that's something you can look at this week. Um, you know, there, there are guys we can play in here, uh, quality players, but as you mentioned, very few without some question marks, uh, yeah. either with form or, or making a course debut. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of guys we like to play, uh, but maybe aren't a great fit this week. And, and these rookies, man, uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm telling you, they're they're making an impact faster than ever before on the PGA tours. There's there's some really quality KFT grads, um, but this this is a tough course for uh, guys making their debut. So that's something we'll have to weigh uh, before we decide to pull the trigger on any of these guys. But I, th- I think you can, I think you can look at them this week. Um, you mentioned the six Ks are really weak. I I would agree with that. Um, you know there are a few guys down here that i'm willing to look at as of now um i usually kind of dial that that lower end range uh as the week progresses um you know and, and hope that i'll get some clarity on maybe a couple guys um and, and that's where i am this week uh anybody sticking out down there to you eric no
0: um I will have a a salary pot out there that that basically tells you in most of your GPP winning lineups, you want a six K golfer. Like, I think it's overwhelmingly like 75% of GPP winning lineups have a six K golfer in it. So I always am trying to find the correct six K golfer. And I won't lie. I watered down my water, my ownership, because it's extremely foolish trying to figure out which six K golfer you should pick. Like there's a reason they're here. There's like the, the, the outcomes are so volatile. With these yeah. guys down here.
1: Just in, um, inherent volatility down here for sure.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's all built into their, their price tag. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give you some names just to give names, like people that I think have a lot of potential, at least to score well at this event. Um, I really like, oh God, I'm looking at all these names. I'm like, I like all of them. But uh, Adam Svensson. Rates out pretty well in the 6K range. He's my second rated guy. Kevin Tway is actually number one, but I don't necessarily care for Kevin Tway. Um, I really like Trey Mullinax. Like he probably has the best course history out of everybody down here in the 6K range. It's pretty close. Kurt Kitayama, I think has better, but he only has one event under his belt. Um, I kind of like Mullinax, if I'm being honest, like he's going to be out of the, you know, I don't think a lot of people are going to be on him and maybe I'm wrong. Uh, maybe they also see his course history but he's somebody that i think almost won the, the valero texas open a while ago or maybe the byron nelson but he yipped his chip and then put it in the bunker or something like that he's got potential that's all i'm saying i think the 6k range you probably just want to rate based off of potential you don't want to be safe in the 6k range if you're going to pick a golfer down here
1: yeah i mean if if you're anytime i want to dip down on the 6k's um it's purely on the consideration of upside yeah um you know i'm not i'm never dipping down there in in search of a consistent player um i just kind of want to find somebody that you know has the upside and the ability to uh kind of score random top ten uh for you and we've seen that on this golf course before um you know we've seen we've seen guys kind of pop up out of nowhere um a, a ted Potter jr a few years ago we've seen Nick Taylor, which, you know, uh, I wouldn't put those two guys in the same category, but, you know, we've seen some kind of kind of long-shot winners uh, in this event. So, you know, I think you can look down here a little bit, uh, try, try to find who that guy is going to be this year. Uh, you mentioned a couple guys. I'll, I'll toss a couple out. Uh, Nick Hardy's a young player that I like, um, you know, that I'll, I'll consider a little bit this week. Uh, Pete Malnati. Uh, we talk about him quite a bit on the show. He's from our area, um, but, it, but he's got a couple of nice finishes on this course and played well last week. Um, he's a streaky player. Um, he had a T11 here in 2020. Um, so I think you can give Peter Monadio a look, um, but I'm with you. Uh, you know, it, it, you're really kind of throwing darts down here uh, and it runs out pretty quickly. So it, it, it's really tough, man. This, this is a tough event. Um, it's really hard to kind of put a bead on, uh, with, you know, I, I've, uh, talked a lot about it's kind of like the Amex, not, not only from the format, but, uh, just kind of the strength of the field. And we saw, you know, Hudson Swafford come out of kind of nowhere and win the Amex. So, you know, anything can happen this week. Um, just, just one of those where you're kind of hoping, uh, when you dip down below the seven K range, uh, but speaking of darts, man, uh. I don't know how familiar you are with the show, Eric, but we do a little segment to close things out called the the Hearts and Darts segment. Uh, I, I need a heart play. That's who you who you like the best this week, no matter price. Uh, your favorite play, and I need a dart play. Um, who who are you going off the board? Kind of throwing your dart with this week. Give me give me your dart play first, man.
0: Uh, I mean, there's no one I feel more confident in playing. Than Patrick Cantley. I just, I think it's he's underrated, which is crazy to say. Um, I know like, you know the Pat Mayo's of the world and stuff like that. They just used to uh, criticize his bunker game, and it's like he hit one bad bunker shot, and that's what we're saying about him. Like the guy is so consistent, and he has been his whole career. He just, I think he's more comfortable being on tour. You know, he's not really battling his back injuries, so it's it's Cantlay for me. Like I just can't not. Play
1: Cantley. All right. So Patrick Cantley is your heart play. Who's your dart play, man? Who's your uh kind of kind of guy you're gambling on? Guy that maybe not a lot of people will be rostering this week. uh Who's kind of sticking out to you as a dart play?
0: So is this where we like try to go is off the deep end as possible? Yeah, like, yeah,
1: you can get get nuts with this one, man.
0: Oh man. I mean, I kind of. I think I've already talked. Well. Curtis Thompson, Curtis Thompson, uh, $6,500. I, I didn't want to roster him at the farmers. Um, and I know he got a 67th place finish, but he was, I think, atop the leaderboard for a while. I remember just looking at him going, Oh, son of a gun. Like I needed to fill in a low six K in some of my lineups. And I mean, the guy is it's, it's, it's a dart play. Let's just put it that way. Joe, do I have a lot of confidence in it? no not really but he's gonna be the glue on some of my stars and scrubs lineups and okay. i don't think i'm going any lower than 6500. i like I'm, it. I don't think i'm going
1: i like it man that's that's the definition of the dart play so uh perfect you did great um my dart i'll throw out uh a homer pick scott stallings 7100. okay uh, played really well at this golf course uh always seems to turn on the West Coast. Um, so I'm I'm going Scott Stallings, kind of our homeboy here. Uh, on the turn fantasy golf pod. My heart, it's man, you're right, it's really, really tough to go against Cantley. Um, but just to be different, I'll, I'll toss out Jordan Speith. Got it. We hadn't went, hadn't really heard much from this year, uh, but always seems to get get it going here. Certainly did last year. Almost won this event last year, so uh, kind of look for a big splash from Jordan Spieth this week. Um,
0: I like that. Uh, so last year, the narrative coming into this was the golf course is so wide open that someone like Spieth who sprays the golf ball off the tee, this would be okay. Cause he's, you know, a wizard around the green. Like he can, his escape shots are probably better than most, you know, probably some of the best, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And even if Speeth hits it in the rough, the rough I don't think is that penal. So the re I I think that's what attributed to his success last year. So I think, you know, for you to feel comfortable with that pick, like he, he's coming in with kind of the same form, you know, that we kind of thought of him, like what he's coming in this year that he was last year. So I like yeah, Jordan speed.
1: Yeah, he 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 doesn't really ever come into this event with great form. He he had a breakout. <laughs> Last week the schedule was a little different. I think Phoenix uh, was actually before this event. He, yep, I'm sure you remember he had that breakout week in Phoenix. Um, so he had a lot of hype coming in. But he also uh, sprayed the
0: ball there too. Yeah,
1: I think, I think it's where you're clubbing down off the tee a lot. He, yeah. He's not he's not forced to hit driver a ton here, uh, which helps. And then I I don't even know if we mentioned man Pebble Beach is these are these are pretty much the smallest greens uh, that we'll see on the schedule this year. So, um, you know, space played really well here. Jason days played really well here. Justin Rose played Brent Snedeker, um, guys that are really good around the green, uh, with really good short games, um, uh, because you know, these greens are so tiny, you're going to miss them. Um, so I just like Spieth. Uh, I don't know that he'll get the hop that that he got last year coming in this week. Um, so I'm gonna keep an eye on his ownership, look for a breakout spot from him this week. Um, I like it. yeah. But uh, we're going to close things out. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for watching. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, follow us on Twitter at The Turn Golf Pod. Uh, subscribe on Apple, Spotify. We appreciate it. It really helps us. Uh, drop a thumbs up. Uh, give us a good rating on there. That helps. And I really want to thank you, Eric, uh, for joining us. Hope everybody checks your uh, YouTube channel out, Sweet Spot DFS. Uh, Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week on the Turn Fancy Golf Pod.
0: It's gonna drive